What's shaking, cats and kittens? Thank you for supporting my podcast and my sustaining partners. I want to tell you about one of them right now, Charmington Holistics. Do you know what an apothecary is? Well, an apothecary makes and provides medicines. Charmington Holistics specializes in all natural herbal remedies and is an apothecary. So, what's ailing you? Can't sleep? Got a stomach ache? Got the blues? Well, head on over to Charmington Holistics where you can find herbal support for anything you need. A personal blended tea, herbal tonic, and supplements can offer you an alternative to that Advil bottle while an in-house herbalist listens to your needs as well. Charmington Holistics is your source for all things herbal. Head on over to 425 South Conklin Street in Highland Town or visit Charmington Holistics on Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok. And Charmington Holistics is open 12 to 5 on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Head on over, check them out, tell them Rob Lee sent you. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I am interviewing a former polo player, writer, entrepreneur, and master of all things vermouth. Uh, the co-founder of the Wine Collective. Please welcome Enrique Polares. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rob. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It's it's a pleasure to have you on. Um, I'm going to mark out and be a fanboy, but um, I want to start off with I read that the, you know the, the polo player. I can't I can't ignore that. Um, so polo player, world traveler. How'd you get to Baltimore? And uh, what's the, well? How'd you get to Baltimore? And I'll ask you the second part afterwards. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, that's, a, you know, the, the real answer is a very long answer. I'll give you the short one, which is that we, we kind of ended up in the region because of, because of uh, just kind of like academia and kind of actually studying and, and reading and my, my passion for that. Um, I was at some point doing a, a PhD at Catholic University in D.C. And, and I fell in love with Baltimore specifically because I'd lived in New York City and I lived in San Francisco and I've lived in Buenos Aires and in, in many cities around the world. And, and Baltimore just reminded me of some of the best things about a lot of them. Um, and that is that it was a very real city. Um, the Baltimore has no, um, uh, Baltimore has no, I would say like cohesive, like PR program out there, you know, Baltimore is what it is and there's real people living here and doing really exciting stuff. And, and that's really what attracted us so much about it. I'm, I'm attracted to the real, you could say. I, I love it. And that's the, you're, you're right. That's, that's what we have here. And you've, uh, you've done an interview before because you answered the second part of the question within your first part answer. So points to you, sir. Uh, so you, you, you co-founded the, the wine collective with, um, George Levenberg. I mean, John Levenberg rather. Um, and he won the most quixotic quest for quality. So define that that quality, define quality specifically in food and wine. Um, and just just give me that because that's within the DNA yeah. and the ethos of the Wine Collective, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's what united uh, John and, and myself. Really, we we met uh, because uh, I first with my brother Felipe and with my wife, we started a winery on the eastern shore um, called Casa Carmen. And that's how we met John. John is a consultant winemaker. He's originally a guy from, you know, Napa, Napa California winemaker that had traveled through France and uh, had been in New York and in a lot of different places. And when we met, 
was, I think the real glue between us was, was two things really was first just a real friendship. He's a great guy. Nice family. You're wonderful. And, 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 and that's kind of the main thing. But then this other really important thing was a common vision. Uh, and that vision was a real obsession with quality. We're doing something that um, takes no compromises uh, that seeks to push the envelope in every direction um, that is slightly uh, self-consuming, I think, as all, as all great uh, quests are. Uh, but, but, you know, that we, we really work tirelessly day and night to, to make the very best that we can. And, and what that looks like is in, the, in terms of wine is that we, we um, you know, it's, it's all about ingredients. It's all about only great grapes make great wine. Yeah. And you can be a fantastic winemaker. You can do whatever you want, but if you don't have great grapes and if you're not doing a style of wine that is respectful of those grapes uh, and of the earth where those grapes um, uh, will, were cultivated, you're not going to make great wine. And so it's a lot of kind of being aligned with that vision and really looking to borrow into that essence of those grapes and making that phenomenal wine. Uh, and in terms of food, uh, this is, I think, where, where more of my brother, Felipe, comes in uh, because he's kind of the one that manages the food there at the, at, the, at the wine collective. And we kind of have this common food passion as well. But it's all it's the same answer. It's really all about ingredients, you know, um, and, and we, we take a little bit of a, the kind of the opposite approach that some places do, where some places will have all local food and wines from all over the world. Mm-hmm. We have all local wine that we have made. And then we have, you know, food and like mainly like a lot of tin fish and, and cheese and charcuterie from, you know, Spain and Portugal and, and a lot of distant places, but, um, but all great ingredients. Yeah. Um, it's, and, and uh, there's a, cause usually if I'm, if I'm there, I'm, I'm definitely getting the fish. It's, it's like this, it, colloquially speaking, this, this like fish dip that just, I lose my mind every time I oh, have yeah. it. And yeah. I just remember it was these like potato crisp last time. And now I'm kind of noticing the, the different quality on the chips that we get here that are just, they're, they're garbage. And the chips that you guys have are, it's, it's just like, it's, it's the simplicity is, is there, but you could tell that the quality of the ingredients just takes it to that higher level. And now yeah. I'm almost a snob when it comes to that. So like, Jose Andreas has like a version that's obviously is a little bit more mass produced, obviously, but I had that today and I was like, oh yeah, let me check this. Oh, just olive oil. And so I was like, oh, it's three ingredients and they're high quality ingredients. Yeah. And you're, you're totally right. And, uh, and you know, European, European cooking is very much obsessed with this, especially I think Spanish and Italian cooking are very, very much obsessed with these, with these like few ingredient, uh, I, I, you know, free ingredients in every dish, but they all have to be really top quality. Yeah. And, and really that's ultimately what it, what it makes it. And what we try to do with it is just get these great ingredients and put them together. That's it. I mean, there's no, there's no crazy mystery to it. Uh, but that is really what they do in some of our favorite places in the streets of San Sebastian or Madrid or Barcelona, you know, or uh, where it's just um, you eat really, really well out in bars because they are just getting great stuff, putting it together and, and you eating and drinking it um, while having fun, you know. That's, I mean, look, you, you like the wine collective is on my list. I have this. I've I've never been to Europe. My girlfriend has, but I've never been to Europe at all, right? And she she's been there a few different times. And I only whenever there's a really good 
kind of like meal and we've done something that has culture and combines those things together. I'm like, and that's a European weekend right there. Like, Hey, we're just watching tennis and eating like, like 10 fish, or we're watching, uh, we're having a conversation and having a nice beer and, yeah. and like a library or something, but things that are kind of outside of the normal of the bar food and drink culture that's really here, but something that's more elevated. What wine collective fits within that for me, that experience. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And and I'll tell you what, what the cool thing about it is, and I think, I guess, the difference between us and, say, something like, um, you know, the white tablecloth restaurant or something like that, uh, that can be also, you know, very European, um, you know, a lot of kind of like the French tradition of cooking and all that stuff. But what we try to do is really we try to bring this everydayness mm-hmm. to it, uh, where, where, you know, this wine is the drink of the people. And uh, in 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 a lot of different cultures, and and these uh, and this type of food is as well. So we we seek to like make it. That's why we seek to make it casual yeah. and as accessible as we possibly can, uh, while you know obviously like paying everybody from the producers through the employees to to every everybody what is what is what we think is a fair share, and uh, but it's ultimately unpretentious, you know, and that's Absolutely. that's really what we always go for, which is focus on quality and things that are really wonderful but that have no pretense to them and that we can always. The most important thing is that we connect and that we have a great time. You know, and the the food and the wine are there to enable that, that, that situation. So, and, and I'm hearing that and I, 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 I say it very colloquially, the wine collective's creed is about community and breaking bread ultimately. Um, So, so speak on the importance of, of of the power of sharing a good meal and, and good wine with, with the comrades, with, with, with people within the community. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, and and you know, I, I I will I will sound maybe a little bit like a broken record with this uh, because uh, I think people sometimes don't realize that that food and beverage, the food and beverage industry, is not an afterthought. Mm-hmm. It is not entertainment. It is the glue of society. If you look at all of uh, ancient European cultures, they were all built around. Um, Piazzas where people would get together and or agoras in, in Greece where people would get together and eat and drink and, and converse. Yeah. This is how civilization began, European civilization. And 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 it is it is it is similar in in in, in the Americas and everywhere where you realize that the real things that are happening, I mean, like from the revolutions in the 60s and or all this stuff that you know, that all the meaningful action, meaningful change, uh, meaningful conversations, meaningful connections, they more often than not begin at a dinner table, mm-hmm. begin in a kitchen, uh, in a bar, in a cafe. And these is all, is, this is, uh, is, is there are places of active citizenship, you know, where people are really, really sharing. And that's what's so hard about uh, the last couple of years uh, with the pandemic having hit that particular part of, of the, of the, of human life so hard that, that it's, it's ultimately human connection and places of food and beverage are where people really ultimately connect with one another, become humans in the most fundamental sense of, of just sharing and talking. And so at the, at the collective, I think we have that as a, as a kind of like forefront of our, of our mission and our vision. And, um, and what we try to do is, is to provide um, a space for people to do that, you know? Um, and, 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 you know, and these, these means uh, interacting with people all the time, 
This means, uh, you know, collaborating with people. This means, uh, you know, people walking in and saying like, Hey, I, how do you make wine? Yeah. Can we, can, can we, can we do this? You know, I'm this, this, and I, and I said, well, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's a way that you can do it. Or, or, you know, from, uh, you know, with our, with our vineyards, it's the same way. Like collaboration is in the very DNA of, of what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if we're going to talk about more of the vineyards later, but, but, um, but that's kind of like another, you know, the whole thing is built on collaboration and that's why we called it the wine collective. Thank you. Yeah. So speak on the the concept of the collective and adjoining ancient traditions of the viticultural collaboration and um, producing uh, Fin de Garage. Uh, What what was the thinking there and bringing those two things that are kind of from different like eras, right? Bringing those two things together. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, I think that the that the old and the new are very similar. What is different is the stuff in the middle. You know, like organic food was always organic until it wasn't organic, and now it's organic again. Right. So, right. And and the same thing happens with wine and with a lot of the a lot of a lot of industries, where where the way that that things used to be made tend to tends to be more natural, uh, more um, you know closer to the earth and to a human scale. Uh, you know, the revolution of, of uh, the vin de, ra- de garage or, or, of, or of, you know, the natural wine movement nowadays or uh, all these revolutions, what they're doing is they're trying to push back against a sort of excessively industrialized wine industry uh, against, um, you know, a sort of sterile approach to, to food and land and, 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 and wine. And and so what we try to do is is say yes we're part of that but we're part of that because that is also the old way of doing things yeah you know this is this is how things have been done forever except the past fifty years or sixty years you know and and it's a little bit of the recovery of going back to that and if you go to those old towns in in Spain and and Portugal and France and and Italy and you know um, Greece and all these places there's there's a lot of places where you would see several vineyards outside of town. And then inside the town, there'll be one winemaking facility yeah. shared by everybody. Yeah. And so all the, all the, all the, all the vineyards would kind of come and, and, and process their grapes and, and, and make their wine. Same thing would happen with like, with, with olives and, and, and olive oil, you bring your, your, your olives and you would make into olive oil. And then you would take a little bit and leave a little bit as part of payment for the use of the machines, you know? And, um, and we try to take this concept a little bit into the 21st century, you know, and, and say, well, now we have the ability to have all this incredible equipment and this amazing technology and we are, which we embrace, but but let's not lose that, which is the most important about the old, which is being close to the earth and to one another. Yeah. So that's why we're going to get people together to do this, um, to all come together under, under one roof in Baltimore city and do this. Uh, that's, 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 that's important. Um, I, I think it's, it's, it's one of those things where I'll just say whatever the area is, let's say it's food, let's say it's uh, culture, entertainment, things of that nature. I think, you're very on point when you're saying kind of uh, the stuff that's in the middle of like from the, from earlier to the end, but the stuff in the middle is the stuff that's changed. And I think when you see it coming back, like let's say music for sake of argument, um, 
it'll be a period where it's like, oh, I don't feel anything for this. I got nothing. And then it's like, it's not the way it used to be. And then when something comes out that's reminiscent of something from the past, it may be a sample, it may be a cover, it sure. might be something that uses similar instruments, whatever. And you're like, oh, that, that reminds me of the thing I like. It's, yeah. it's telling you something there. It's telling you that this guy disconnected from the source and we really need to look at what was outside of the content being created or whatever the thing that's being produced what's what was missing there what was changed what was what had somebody's fingers on it and i i think that that's a, a key thing to kind of recognize and that's what you all are doing yeah totally totally and in that particular case uh you know i think i think what happens is that is there really a big industry and, and and huge corporations and this kind of like totalizing force of of of, uh, of of the economy has kind of um really made everything into a product to be sold in the masses right and yeah. and i think what part of what's happening right now is that there's a lot of pushback towards towards that sort of you know totalizing force of of, of industry and in the in the food and beverage industry is kind of is, is 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 very much at the forefront of that with the whole kind of rebirth of everything organic and everything local and trying to you know really realize that unless we change the way that we're doing things we're going to have we're not going to have much of a place to live in, uh, not in not that long, you know. Sure, and I think in in, in, in connection with it, like I, I just know that. I see more and more people being connected in terms of being plant-based, being more familiar where their food is, is coming from and just having more of an interest in it because they're seeing like, oh, wow, we were not touching anything. As you remember here, people weren't driving, weren't going anywhere. It's like, oh, things are growing fast. Wow, those are ducks right there in my neighborhood. Like there, there's so many yeah. changes. It's like, yeah, even with a little less input or influence from us, things are, are improved. So I think... That can be done from from the standpoint of not having so much involvement from these big companies and, yeah. you know, <laughs> implementing things. It's like, oh, here's some GMO wine. I was like, I don't, that's, don't touch that. Don't give me those grapes. Uh, so tell me more about being on. Well, is this true? You're on the board of uh, directors for the Maryland uh, Wineries Association. Yes, this is true. one of the many things I <laughs> many hats. I <laughs> uh, so what does that entail? And, and tell me and tell me about that experience and, and being on the board. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, the Maryland Wine Association is a fantastic, fantastic group, um, in, in part because there's a there's an incredible uh, well, there, it's a it's a great group all around. But but there's there's a one person that I think deserves a lot, a lot of the credit. And his name is Kevin Addicts. Um, and he he's um, he has a group called uh, Grow and Fortify. And he has helped a lot of industries, um, you know, like kind of the wine industry and the beer industry and the and the and the spirits industry to to really kind of. Um, to become local industries because these were industries that were completely co-opted by 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 very very large national brands um and there was there has been a lot of laws that have up until not that long ago there were and, and up until 2010 actually uh, you couldn't basically have a small winery in maryland because you were not allowed to sell directly to customers <laughs> um you had to live within that three-tier system that is um you know a, a dinosaur from the from the from the prohibition era yeah. um but uh but basically what it is it's it's you know it's it's basically a group that we we 
look for ways to improve the, you know, the, our growing conditions and the quality of our wine and, and are very kind of legislatively active to make sure that, 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 um, we are allowed to do our business and that we are, and that, you know, no laws are passed that are detrimental to, to the business and, and that we are simply allowed to continue creating this amazing local wine industry. I remember uh, um, probably what 2000, probably 2010, maybe 2011. I just thought it was really odd because I was just getting into wine then. I was buying those. Uh, I think this is the early advent of getting that subscription box, and you figure out like what yeah. you're into and all of that. Yeah, and sure. I just remember it was a hassle, kind of having it shipped. And I was just like, this doesn't make any sense. I was like, I can go over there and get something that's not really that good from like a, a store like nearby, but yeah. I want to I be diverse or what have you. I, I was one of those guys that had the... Um, like the magazine with the, like the, the, what the Burko Hamill, what have you, all of the different stuff. Like, Oh, let me bring this stuff in. Let me try some, I have a refined palette. I'll just say that. And let me try different things. And I just remember it was a bugaboo to try to get stuff in, in here. And it's very limiting, you know, yeah. and you, you yeah. don't know what you like until you've tried more things. And I use, I use food. I use art as a surrogate for travel. Sure. Of yeah. course. Yeah. 100%. He has that ability. He has the ability to do that. So, so master of masters, all things vermouth. So let's, let's talk about that a little bit. And I want to key in on this because I'm picking your brain right now. What, uh, well, tell me about that in general speaking, but definitely include what, what's, what makes a good vermouth. Yeah, of course. Um, well, you know, this is my, my, uh, the core of my passion in the, in the food and beverage industry. I absolutely love, love, love vermouth. Uh, one of the reasons why I love vermouth is because, because vermouth is the, the meeting place between the, the winemaker, the distiller, the chef, and the wizard or the witch doctor, you know, it's like, because you're, you're, I mean, with vermouth, you're, you're using all these herbs. Sometimes you really kind of go through, through kind of dark, dark paths. I mean, looking for, for all these medicinal herbs and, and, and all this stuff, you know, and, um, but, but, you know, basically what vermouth is, is a fortified aromatized wine. So what you have is you have a base wine, uh, and then you have a distillate, uh, often of that wine. And then, so that distillate is kind of a high, uh, you know, high alcohol um, spirit. And you put a lot of um, kind of your secret combination and recipe of herbs and, and botanicals into that. And those, that creates a, a very powerful extraction, kind of like, uh, kind of like bitters. If you try like Angostura bitters, that's, that's exactly kind of what it is. And then, and then you blend that back with the wine, right? Um what makes a good vermouth is is a is a is a perfect balance between acidity, sweetness, and bitter. Mm. If anything, if any of those things is out of whack, uh, you have you have a product that is too much of something, you know, uh, and, and and something that is too too bitter or or too sweet or too acidic. Nobody wants that. But when you have that perfect triangle, uh, you really that that balance does does magic in your mouth um and then and, and what's cool about it is that you have all these layers in vermouth right because it's wine but it's also all these other botanicals that are added to it that are just create a sense of of real transcendence in the palate yeah. that you that you continue to to taste things and you taste things that are in your food and that are in your wine and you know it really kind of unites all of these culinary worlds into into one 
you're you're making me a vermouth man i i you know, the way you put it out it's like oh you, you said that so just that was just great it's just are, are you under big vermouth vermouth are you working under vermouth what's happening here <laughs> yeah. um and so yeah I, vermouth is on on my next to buy list or what have you i've not i've only had it I haven't had it in a while. So I think as I've gotten older, I'm in my mid thirties now, I'm like, all right, I'm a little bit more refined, put on my ascot jacket and, you know, be able to try some, some great vermouth. Yeah. But you know, uh, one of the things that happens with vermouth is that often people, um, you know, it is a wine, so you got to treat it as a wine and it'll last longer once it's open longer than a wine because it has a higher alcohol level. Um, but it's also, you know, <laughs> Sometimes people's only experience of vermouth is having opened a bottle of often cheap vermouth and having made a cocktail and then using it again, like two years later after it's been sitting on the, on the kitchen counter and <laughs> the liquor cabinet. And, and it obviously has, has gone bad, you know? So I think that's one important thing, which is that vermouth does have to be treated as a, as a wine um, more than, more than as a spirit. Noted, noted, noted. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna be picking some up from because I, I have a I have a bottle of uh, of I think I, have, I know I have a bottle of wine from the wine collective in my in my uh, in my home. So I'm gonna add a bottle of vermouth because I believe you all have some on site. Yeah, yeah, no, come on in. We'll give you. We'll give you. Well, we we have our vermouth rosé, which which I which uh, anybody can get. But we'll we're about to uh, release in the next couple of months our our red sweet vermouth, and okay. um, I, I I might be able to sneak a a taste of that for you. That's that sounds great. And you you said the magic words because um my like literally the only wine that we really drink at this point is rosé. Me and my uh, my girlfriend, and she's the one that hooks me on it. So she's like, oh, is that rosé involved? That's literally her energy all the time <laughs> perfect so perfect. so let's 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 talk about this this combination here right um let's let's talk about it in terms of like a signature dish so obviously you're you're doing just really great stuff really getting back to source um within food and bev so what is what would that signature disc look dish look like for you um and accompanying like um uh, drink what would that look like for you within food and bev that maybe represents you? Like, what does that look like? Is it, is it a fine vermouth and a dish? What, what, what does that look like for you? Yeah, yeah, totally. So it, there's this wonderful model in, in a, of, of kind of type of place in, in Spain that is called the vermuteria. You know, it's like, it's a vermouth bar. You go and then you, you get a, you have a vermouth on tap, just like we do at the collective. We, we, that's kind of the vibe that we try to, to communicate. But what's amazing about that is that it's a place that you're eating amazing tin fish and just, you know, drinking bottle after bottle of cold vermouth, just on the rocks with a splash of sparkling water, a twist of orange and an olive. Uh, and that I think paired with some, you know, charred octopus, mm. um, or with, uh, or with, uh, we, you know, uh, with anchovies, which are fantastic. We're, we're big anchovy evangelists, you know, and <laughs> we've been known to convert many, many people, uh, because most people also said, haven't just have, haven't had very good ones, but, 
but it's, it's another dish that's incredible and, and obviously just amazing cheese and charcuterie. Uh, you know, a Spanish jamón is, is, um, is um, you know, the Italians will have to forgive me, but it's in a different category than prosciutto. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, like, like we, we love it. We're like literally, I mean, we do our own version when we're doing the entertaining. We're very, we're very snobbish. And, uh, but we, we just, we just know what we like. Right. And uh, I just remember it was one it was one weekend where I know my, my, my girl had like a really rough week and I was like, all right, I'm going to go there. I went to some specialty cheese shop and I bought like $200 worth of cheese. I was like, I'm going to make you a charcuterie whole situation. And it's always a hassle because um, she's pescatarian. So it's like, all right, the ham is going to be for me. Yeah. 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 So that's literally the setup these days, but um, which, which makes, I think your space like very advantageous. It definitely hits our sensibilities. So awesome. I got two more questions before I get to the rapid fire ones. Uh, if you had the opportunity, who, um, living or dead, would you want to work with? Um, whether it be, hey, we have this collaborative project we're we're working on, or hey, you know what, this person has a really good uh, take on on food culture. I want to definitely pick their brain. Yeah, I mean, specifically in the food industry, because, you know, I could go, I could also go uh, kind of poetic on this one, uh, <laughs> choose a few dead writers and philosophers. But, uh, but in terms, but in terms of food, I mean, I think, um, I think like the, the Adria brothers, uh, Ferran and Alberto Adria, which became firm, famous for the restaurant El Bulli, uh, and just kind of like completely revolutionized cooking are, are, uh, are, are some, you know, very much high up, high up in the list. You know, that's, that's where Jose Andres got his, uh, got his early start and so on. Um, you know, I think there's something about, um, so, so I think maybe probably I would, I would pick, pick those guys to kind of work with and, and, and learn from, uh, but there's, but there's many, many others, you know, I, I mean, Spain is, a, is, is really a hub of, of both very traditional and very avant-garde modern cooking. Um, so you, you kind of have find, find all those places there and all around being completely obsessed with what's great in life, you know, with food and drink. So, um, so yeah, anybody really. Wonderful. Um, now this is the last one. This is, this is one of my new Baltimore questions. Uh, from your vantage point, what is one thing that Baltimore does exceptionally when it comes to that, that food, drink and environment kind of uh, cohesion? And what is something that you, you want to see improved? It's like uh, we're, we're we're looking at that, but we're not quite there yet. So what's something that we do well here and what's something that you know, like we can improve that? Okay. So these are tricky one. Cause I don't want to offend people of course, but, uh, but, uh, so I'll say, I'll say the, the, I mean, I think there's, there's something really special. Baltimore's Baltimore's food and Bev scene is almost, uh, it's almost underground when you talk about it in, in the context of the rest of the country, you know, yeah. when people here here in Baltimore, they, I don't, I think they often don't realize how phenomenal the food and Bev scene is here. Uh, places that are really, really special and doing something, um, you know, truly fantastic. There's so many of them and uh, that have the, that their owners are working there every day. And, uh, you know, really places that are, that are as what I said at first, uh, which is very, very real. You know, it seems that people here are incredibly passionate. These are not large corporate uh, groups that are, you know, investing millions and millions of dollars into, into having, you know, 20 or 30 restaurants, but they are really restaurants driven forward by, by, by people who are incredibly passionate, um, who are willing to enter these very, um, 
uh, unprofitable industry, all with the objective of uh, of really making something beautiful that people can eat and drink. Um, and you know, there's there's I mean, I could I could name so many so many examples that I kind of don't, don't even want to get into it. <laughs> but uh, but there's but there's a lot of great fantastic places for for both you know refined cocktails, um, uh, cuisines from many many different places and places that use all local ingredients um, to just more you know more casual places. I mean, there's there's all sorts of really kind of hidden gems in in Baltimore. And 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 what I think we could do better is is um is is you know i mean i guess this is the flip side of it right when cities get too too clean when cities get too polished mm-hmm. uh, they often lose this very real aspect to them i mean especially think about think about new york in the 80s and and, and new york nowadays and yeah. and think about how that looks in relationship to baltimore or to philly and to dc and you start getting kind of like a, a profile of how how where cities are you know and and i think and i think baltimore by being somewhat behind in that in 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 that you know level of I guess uh, development in relation to specifically to New York and, and probably DC is is also more real. There's more stuff happening here that is that is not controlled by any corporate forces. Um, but what we could do better is we could also clean up our act a bit sometimes, you know, and yeah. and have a and have just a, a you know a place that is very easy for people to come in and enjoy these secret food scene that we have here. That is so phenomenal, you know, that could be, that should be, uh, and is at the level of any of the best, best places in the country, the best cities in the country. Yeah, that's, that's, that's totally legit. Um, definitely with that comparison to just, um, it's almost like the hipster version of a place. It's like, yeah, you know, before it got cool, you know, (laughs) before they sold out, cut their hair. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And Um, I feel like that's where we are in Baltimore, you know? So we're, we're also real. We're also, we're also, you know, it's also great. Um, but at the same time, I think that, I think that, everybody would be a little bit better off if just things were maybe just a tad better. Yeah. And yeah. And I think um, just having, having that attention here is, is a piece of it because a lot of times it, you know, people have see something and then it's hard stop, but nobody wants to really work to move it in that direction. But some people have, some people have, um, but yeah, I, I, I'm going to, we're on the same page, I think. And um, yeah. Uh, So I'm going to hit the rapid fire questions. Uh, I, sure. I've I've added one, maybe two, since we've been talking because I had to modify one because you're 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 a book reader. You're so I had to change that question a little bit. So the the, the, the way that rapid fire works is it's just, you know, you don't have to provide any extra context unless you really need to have that in there. But um pretty much whatever you said the answer is is what the answer is. It's like, look, all right, this is my favorite movie. I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, all right, first one. Red or white? Fred. Favorite book that you've read in the last year? See how I had to trim that one down? I'm like, oh, so yeah. many. It's like naming a child. What do you mean? <laughs> uh, Grape Olive Pig by Matt Golding. Black truffles or white truffles? Black truffles. Favorite cocktail featuring vermouth? <laughs> I think the Negroni is king, although there is one called Marianito Preparado, which is kind of like a Spanish version of the Negroni, uh, which is a, basically a vermouth heavy Negroni. So I'll, I'll take that one. I'll take the Marianito. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so the last two um so you're originally from ecuador indeed uh one what's one ecuador ecuadorian food that uh you would recommend to someone who knows nothing about the cuisine well the best food in the whole entire universe which is ceviche fish ceviche Mm. okay you're you're selling a ticket right there um now i think everyone has a thing this is the last one everyone has a thing that they say when they're they're drinking um like to your health things of that nature what is your kind of toast what is cheers for you what is what is your toast oh that's 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 an excellent one uh i would i would just say at the risk of sounding like a broken record, you know, uh, for, for, for us being together, you know, uh, blessed is a space between us that allow us to, to be together and to enjoy this company and to have this time where nothing can separate us. And that's, what's so fantastic about any night and any table and any drink and any food that it can be shared. That's that's great. I felt I felt like I professionally wrapped that up right there. I felt really good about that one. Um, so thank you for sharing that. So I'm I'm pretty much out of my questions, but I want to um, I want to invite you to plug away. Where where can they stop by to have a have a drink? Um, try this uh, this very vermouth forward Negroni you're talking about. Maybe you can have that slid on there um, and website, all of that good stuff. And, and thank you so much for being on the pod. Yes, of course. No, and thank thank you for having me. Really, it's it's great to be here. Thanks for thanks for also for for noticing what we're doing, which I think is 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 very special. Um, it's it's a kind of a it's a particular model, not just in Baltimore, but but in the country. There's not a lot of places that are that are that are doing what we're doing. I mean, now you see vermouth bars popping up in New York and and DC a little bit, but we we really are are, are ahead of the curve here, and I think that's that's meaningful, uh, and it shows also. So the kind of people that, that Baltimore attracts. Um, so thank you so much for, 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 for inviting me. Uh, I would say in, in terms of just sharing with people, we kind of our, our website is www.winecollective.vin, V-I-N, like, like wine in French. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty easy. We can, you know, you can go there and just order online. We do free shipping in all of Maryland and DC. Um, so you can order your wine and wait a couple of days and it'll be, it'll be, it'll get to you. Uh, we have an awesome wine club where we do, we do a pairing, uh, tasting dinners at least once a month, uh, with the winemaker and you get to taste some like half fermented juice and, and a lot of really other cool, cool, cool things. You get to learn a lot. Um, we also obviously are regularly open. We're open like six days a week from, from Tuesday to Sunday uh, for, for food and, and drinks. And it's, I think it's meaningful that people come because you really get to see where your wine and your vermouth and your food are made. I, I get to, you know, uh, me or, or, or John uh, or Felipe or, or somebody there can show you, you know, right there that tank is where this wine was made and it tastes in this particular uh, way because of this reason and, and so on and so it's it's a it's not just eating and drinking but it's a cool learning experience um you know social media we do both instagram facebook and stuff it's it's the wine collective baltimore um we communicate with with our followers a lot that way and um and i would say just kind of you know join the movement and and um uh, and uh you know discover these uh crazy world of of vermouth and aperitivo wines aperitif wines in general which is um it's really kind of a whole way of life you know it's it's a it's, it's about being with friends more often 
eating and drinking, perhaps less total amounts in one sitting, but more often, you know, it's yes. about just going, going out for one or two vermouths every day, you know, and that <laughs> will really include, increase your, your quality of life. And, and I think these are what people do in the Southern Mediterranean. And that's why, that's why they love it so much, you know? Um, but, but so just kind of invite everybody to, to really join the movement of vermouth and, and, uh, and of the wine collective. I love to hear it. Um, so thank you. And I'll do my sign off. So for Enrique Polares, I am Rob Lee saying that there is wine, vermouth, good times, community in and around Baltimore. You just have to look for it. Mm -hmm.